Welcome to the Reformed Informants, a podcast devoted to biblical exposition, systematic theology, and practical application for the good of the church. I'm Lance Burroughs, along with TJ Darty, and we are the Reformed Informants. And here we go. Episode number one. Our fans are demanding this, TJ, and we have to come through. No, I'm just kidding. I guess before we get going, though, we've got to put this on the uh, we've got to put this on the table. We got to get this out there. Your wife and my wife are having babies. Both both pregnant. <laughs> bringing bringing little junior toros into the world. August uh, and September. Pretty crazy, man. It's pretty wild. Got I got a little girl coming. You got a little boy coming. We we've got a, an arranged marriage already in the works. Yeah. Things are things are looking up for the for the clan. A biblical arrangement. That, of course, that's the only way to do it. It's exciting times in our lives. I I, I can't even tell you how fired up I am for that though. Oh, like gosh. this is on another level. Yeah, like this I is, uh, this is something I've never experienced. I have no idea what I'm about to be hit well, with. Oh, of course. Yeah, neither one of us do, but it's great for us right now because we just get to wait in humble anticipation <laughs> while our wives are carrying the loads, um, figuratively and literally. Yeah, for the first time, I already blame something on the baby. Oh, already? Already, yeah. I bought two half gallons of ice cream at the store, and I blamed it on the baby. So could you say that you bought a whole gallon of ice cream? I bought a whole gallon of ice cream and blamed it on Poor this guy. unborn child. Poor guy. Yeah. Already causing trouble. I know. It's already an issue. Well, Not surprising. Let's uh let's jump in here to uh, episode number one. Uh, we've got this thing titled "What Is Theology?" Yep. So, well, we're looking at diving into that question and drawing out exactly what it means. Yeah. Um. So let, let, let's begin quickly here by answering the question: What is theology? So you can you give me a basic definition for theology? Yeah, if I'm just going to go general, broad strokes, what do I mean when I use that word theology? That is the uh, study of God. I mean, that's the, um, you're breaking down the word, what is what is theology? It is the study of God. It's, it's anything that is related to um, understanding who God is. How might, how might you how yeah. would you add to that? Yeah, well, I, yeah, I think breaking breaking it down to its core and the simplest definition that we can get to, yeah, it would be a study of God. There's really no reason to deviate from yeah. that simple yeah. definition. One, because I think it covers all basis to the random person that we may be evangelizing mm-hmm. out around town that we don't know. But then you could talk to your seminary student or right. your, you know. Your, the your Sunday, yeah, right. yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, yeah it, it is a study of God in its most basic form. But you, you and I have a specific heart for systematic theology. Um, that's mainly what when we talk about theology, especially in our conversations, that's typically going to be what we're referring to. Uh, help? How would you how would you differentiate or or distinguish what systematic theology is? How would you define systematic theology? Yeah, and we from the beginning we said that in all of our planning and talking about how we want to run the podcast, et cetera, we've talked about definitions mm-hmm. being important. Yeah. You know, you gotta define your terms because, because everybody's using them. Yeah. How do you, how do you define yeah, it? Absolutely. People talk systematic theology. So well, what was the best way to define that biblically speaking? Mm-hmm. What was, so yeah, you know, that, that is important. So I think we're going to do that a lot yeah. throughout 
um, every episode when we're talking about this or talking about that, that's, yeah, defining terms absolutely matters. Yeah. So systematic theology, uh, I would basically define that um, as breaking apart major components of the Christian faith, major components of the revelation that God has given us mm-hmm. in the Old and the New Testament, um, putting those major components together after you have completely exhausted what the entire scripture has said on that particular theme or okay. on that particular element. Okay. Um, which uh, there's many different angles to doing that, which we're going to talk about in upcoming mm-hmm. episodes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that that is how I would define systematic theology, yeah. um, generally then, speaking, yeah, broadly. If I would add to that, because I think you you have those different components and those different elements that you uh, distinguish uh, based on the doctrines or the topics that they're related to, um, but then we also know that systematic theology is a cohesive effort, right, to bring all of those doctrines and components together into a cohesive, for lack of a better term, system. Uh, that's that's kind of how we organize. Um, and think about systematic theology. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I don't think we can um, run from the word systematic or a system right. of beliefs or a system of organization because we would emphasize that that system, however we're going to organize it, would, would be based off of the text. Right. So that, it's not yeah. the system that drives the text. It's the text that's driving the organization or driving right. the system itself. Yeah, I would I would say that a lot of times people hear the phrase or the term systematic theology and this idea comes into their head that it's some kind of uh, non-biblical but uh, scholarly effort to understand things or to, or to put boxes around the text. But that's not what it is. Um, systematic theology actually uses biblical theology. Um, by the way, what is biblical theology? We, we're systematic uses biblical theology, but what is biblical theology? Yeah, I would define biblical theology in its most basic form would, would be a chronology of revealed revelation. Mm-hmm. So progressive revelation. So when I think of biblical theology, I, I, I think of it in terms of what has God revealed in the order that he has revealed right, it. Right. So you're thinking like, Meta narrative, the big story of scripture, right? Right, like how God has put the whole Bible together in its current form, um, progressively revealing um, His Word from the Old Testament into the New. Um, you know, the Old Testament being the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament being the Old Testament revealed. It's right. this progressive chronology of of revelation, um, whereas yeah. systematic theology is going to use that. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Well, yeah, they're not detached from one another. Right, right. Again, there's a harmonization between both of them. Your, your systematic theology is in error if you don't understand the entire That's exactly right. teaching of the Scripture. That's exactly right. If you get really the general idea, the general understanding of the Scripture wrong— then you're going to have issues developing your system of systematic theology. And that's part of the goal of systematic theology is to understand the biblical narrative, but then to be able to um, place these um, doctrines in an organized manner and to express them into a contemporary culture so that we can best understand the biblical narrative um, in a way that gives expression to it um, for us today. It's applicable to us. It gives us a way to organize our thoughts around that. Um, yeah, we, yeah. Well, yeah. In, in the same way that we would approach 
every aspect of systematic theology, it, it, it provides a checks and balances system. In right. other words, right. whatever aspect of systematic theology that we're looking into, we, we would approach that in another element or in another doctrine or right. another core tenet of systematic theology. We're going to approach it the same way, and That's right. there, there's a checks and balances That's within right. that. But I would also add there's a checks and balances by looking back into historical theology yeah. as well. So if you were to define historical theology or give an example of historical yeah. theology, how, how would you go about that? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, historical theology is an attempt to look at how church history has answered or developed doctrine um, over the course of time. So we presently don't do theology in a vacuum. We know that we have 2,000 years of church history upon which we are um, looking back, we are understanding how the church has formulated and understood um, a, a doctrine. So, for instance, um, the doctrine of Christ, who Christ is. Well, the church has dealt with the doctrine of Christ, the deity of Christ, the humanity of Christ throughout history. You've got church councils, you've got um, theologians and men of the faith who have gone before us, who have given expression to this, who have understood the text. And so, um, Historical theology is paying attention to what church history has said. And um, again, no authority in that. The authority is in the text. The authority is in the Bible. But we pay attention to how um, theologians, um, pastors, men of faith have handled the text and developed their theology over the course of time. Okay, yeah. Let me, let me, let me stop you there and okay. ask you a question here. Yep. So if I'm just beginning getting into systematic theology and I'm diligently trying to seek and study the word mm -hmm. and be accurate, et cetera. It's good for you. It's good. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Great. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. That's some encouragement right Absolutely. there. Absolutely. So what if, and speaking in regards to Christology, what if I come across a belief and understanding that I can't find anywhere mm. in church history or in fact may contradict all of it, or if not all of church history. The prevailing uh, and dominant thought of church history, right. So if you if you have come across or, or developed a concept or idea that is um, outside the norm of church history, that's a red flag, right? Like that's, that's your way of saying, hold on a second, I'm likely not smarter um, or have not been given some kind of divine revelation outside of 2,000 years of church okay. history. So I, I would say if I'm doing something or coming up with some type of theological conviction that is off the beaten path of orthodoxy throughout time, that that's my warning to say, hold on a second, let me go back and pay. So, so historical theology then, would you agree with me to say that it is a, a guardrail for us to keep us inside Orthodoxy. Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, we would nav. We want to navigate through Scripture by being cautious, and we would want to do that as well right. with historical theology. Not because in that area we're dealing with inspired Scripture, exactly. But we want to be able to navigate and make sure that we are, in a sense, interpreting what they are right. saying correctly, mm -hmm. lining that up with what Scripture and, says, and paying attention to what they yeah, said. Yeah, ab absolutely. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Okay, so so help me help me here. I'm thinking about we've talked about what theology is. Uh, we've we've nailed down a little bit of what systematic theology means. But my next question is, why even do this? Like we've got a podcast going. Um, we, we're we're committed to studying theology. Why why do we do theology? 
We're in it for the big bucks, That's right? It. Well, besides that, besides <laughs> you and me, you know. Because we have so much free time. And yeah, yeah, we're just trying to get a lot of. We want the the publicity, so like our like our Facebook page, yeah. all that stuff. That's what we. I know that that's what you and I are seeking is this vainglory. But, yes. but for somebody else, why should that somebody else? Of course, but somebody who can't do a podcast, right. or doesn't want to do a podcast, why should they study theology? Yeah, I think, it, I I really do always go back to this verse when I get this question, or even when I'm explaining really the answer to this question in class. Uh, to my students over the years. I uh, go back to John 17, high priestly prayer, Jesus talking about, well, praying to God. But in, in that prayer, he's he's talking about pouring out his heart that that knowing God is really the essence of eternal life. Yeah. Eternal life is knowing the one true God mm. is, is what Jesus says there. And w- we see that he, he's doing that in prayer. He's communing with the Father. Yes. He, Jesus there, he's not talking about knowing God intellectually, although you need to, mm-hmm. and that's part of it, but it's relational. I mean, he's he's pouring out his heart to right. the Father right. hours before he's on trial, crucified, and put in, in the tomb. So, I mean, I would say, and to not get off on a rabbit trail on that context, the reason for studying theology is to, to know God. Yeah. It, I, it is to know God. Yeah, I think you nailed it. Uh, plummet the depths that's right yeah and it's endless that's right and and we think about it think about that eternally we will never reach the depths of an eternal god you 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 will never get to an exhaustive knowledge of an eternal being this is is constantly a process of coming to know him um in a way that you didn't know him before so i would totally agree i think that's well said i think that's comforting and encouraging that we can't exhaust yeah god yeah. It's like, okay, by the end of the summer of 2019, you know, we just know everything there is right. about God and are completely satisfied in that. Right. Uh, to me, that would be unsatisfying if mm-hmm. we could already grasp the entirety of God. Yeah, and that, that it, to, to be able to do so would, be that, would mean that whoever we are studying is not truly God. I mean, that's part of what makes God who he is, is that he is inexhaustible. His, the, the knowledge of his being is endless. Um, because that's because he's God. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, could you give me another point on why we should study theology or anything else that yeah. you would want to add? Or I, I, To piggyback off what you said, my first instinct when I think, why do theology? Um, you know, I've, I'm constantly reading and studying um, both in the academic world and in the pastoral world, but the goal is not head knowledge, um, as you said, but rather my goal in doing theology is worship. Um, because I think that that's what theology is. Theology is to worship. Um, because the more I know God, the more I worship Him. And and I think there's a distinction to be made between knowing things about God and knowing God Himself. And so as I study, as I do theology, my aim is a heart of worship. And I come to adore Him. I come to know Him um, in a more intimate, personal um, an intentional way, and in that sense, I'm able to worship more fully and more accurately with my mind. I love so. So it's not you're you're not disconnected. Of course not. In other words, it's not I'm I'm laying out the scripture. I'm laying out other systematic theologies for help, and it's not a disconnect as far as this is unrelational. Right. God is off in some vast ether, mm-hmm. you know, completely yeah. far from my reach, 
But, but, but in reality, it is the opposite of that. Yeah, I'm not studying for a test. I'm getting to know my Savior. I'm getting to know the, the one whom I worship. Um, you know, it's, it, you and I have talked about this before. It's like getting to know my wife, like Chloe and I have come to know each other because we spend time together. And the more I know her, the more intimately I know her, um, the better I am able to understand her, the better I'm able to communicate with her, uh, and the better I'm able to uh, commune with her. And I think the same, um, the same principles apply to theology. I'm not learning about God, I'm coming to learn who God is. Right. And it improves, like you said, there's a connection, there's a relational aspect that comes into that. Um, and I think that's so important for us to consider as we may talk about the depths of theology in our discussions here. We're going to yeah. talk about some uh, some deep things of God. We're going to plummet the depths, uh, as you said. But it's not to build ourselves up and to have a... a um, an increased head knowledge, but rather it's a heart of worship. Right. I think that's important. Yeah, uh, that. Yeah, that. To make a quick plug for a resource here. Yeah. Um, at least, yeah, that deals with this question, and at least what we're talking about as far as knowing God, mm-hmm. uh, not just intellectually, but as a relationally and passionately communing with Him, uh, would be uh, J.I. Packer's Knowing right. God. Uh, that's actually been a summertime reading book for my students the last couple of years. We incorporated it into the lesson plans this year to read during class, which I think was beneficial because mm-hmm. those opening couple chapters, I think really resonated with some of the kids when it talked about the difference between knowing God intellectually and you could know God intellectually, but not actually know God. That's, that's right. So there is a danger and you, you have to proceed with caution in regards to developing a systematic theology and disconnecting that from actually communing and living for God. That's right. You don't want to just cram for a test, right. take the test, and then you know everything is gone exactly. the following day. Mm-hmm. No, it's an actual pursuit for literally the rest of our lives. That's right. That's right. Uh, on, on that note, let, let's kind of uh, shift gears a little bit, but we've talked about this pursuit um, what are some of the other benefits of systematic theology? Like if I'm thinking, um, what what purpose does systematic theology serve as I seek in this endeavor? Not just, um, like I understand, yes, it's it's a, this heart of worship, it's an ability to know God, but why systematic? Why do it in a systematic way? Man, <laughs> honestly, what, what, what helps me in a systematic way is organizational uh-huh. purposes at least you know as far as getting what the bible says organized and collected in a way that i can really grasp the totality of scripture mm-hmm. systematic theology really helps me with that yeah to bounce off of your example of christology if my christology is rooted from genesis to revelation then i've got the whole teaching of christ organized in my right, head. Right. Okay, what is Christ doing in the Old Testament? Okay, what what is he doing in the book of Revelation? Mm-hmm. And then my framework for him is is organized, it's collected, it's Yeah. it's it's bullet pointed. Right. in, in a way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say that's yeah, systematic theology like you said, it, it's a it's a tool that allows us to organize our thoughts. Um an example that I think of 
Um, and I think this is natural, by the way. I think that as we read scripture, we naturally want to do this. We naturally have questions. Um, so I think about um, an issue regarding angels, right? Like if you're reading through the text of the Bible, you're going to see angels in Genesis that are going to come as messengers. Um, later, you're going to see angels um, at the at the empty tomb. Right when when Jesus's tomb is empty uh, at the end of the gospel narratives, there are angels present. There are angels present at the ascension. Angels are appearing constantly throughout Scripture. The Bible isn't really interested in telling us a whole lot about them. Absolutely, like they, it just they just appear. The angel says something. The angel leaves, and we are left with all these questions as as we get done reading this, and we're saying, "Wait, what just happened? Who is this being? What what are they doing?" That's what systematic theology does. It gives us an ability to organize those seemingly random pieces, put them together, have an understanding of what God did when he created them, what their purpose is, what their, um, how they function. And so systematic theology is a tool to use that. Um, I, I think you, you made a, a helpful analogy um, with, with like building a desk or a table. Hey, right. I, how did you say well, that? Yeah. Well, you, you know, if I sit down to complete a project, uh, of of course, I've got to get on YouTube and Google oh, to right, figure this right. thing out, yeah, right? Because you're a man. So the, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I am a man. So there is a, a, some research that has mm-hmm. to be done. So the illustration carries that far. But even when I was building the dining room table, I, I set out and organized every single individual part that I had. Right. You know, essentially mapping out where I was putting what and then put the entire thing together, and now I can sit and have a meal there without it falling apart and right, crumbling. Right, right. Which does carry over into systematic theology. You're pulling all of the pieces and the parts of angelology and Christology, etc. You're putting those things together, and essentially, if you can do that biblically, and you can do that humbly, and you can do that for the honor of God, all of those keep each other from crumbling right the checks right. and balances that right. I, I mentioned earlier yeah um so yeah no i think that yeah i think that's really helpful uh one last question before we kind of wrap some some of this up what what limitations do we have we think about systematic theology there's oh there's trem- tons tremendous there's benefits tons. right but you're looking at a wicked center right okay. now so okay. that already factors yeah. into and our listeners can't, but I can confirm I am looking at yes. a wicked center right yes, now. Yes, with a beard, so. which That's helps. Right. That's right, that, that masking helps it a little my, bit. Yeah. But, but, oh, but okay, you're, okay, so what do you mean when you say that? You're looking at somebody who is a sinful person. What does that mean? Yeah, well... What do you mean? Yeah, I'm sinful. I'm affected by the fall. Uh, I was born into this world, anti-God, anti-Christ, mm-hmm. running from him. My mind um, is corrupt with sin. Um, I'm not perfect. Mm-hmm. My understanding uh, will never be perfect. I'm... Um, I, I'm affected by the worldview of the culture that I've grown up in and lived in. Mm-hmm. All of those things are weighing in on That's me, right. affecting um, my understanding and organization of the Scripture in regards to systematic theology. What, what would you add to that? I mean, that makes uh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We have we have self limitations because we are imperfect creatures. So in, in that sense. All of our theology is going to be limited. Um, I, I would, I would um, maybe add to that the. I, I think there's a an inherent danger in systematic theology too. If we are not careful, um, over systematize right to to miss some of the the spirit's work 
um, the, the activity of the Holy Spirit. We're, we're um, prone sometimes to be so quick to place to place texts and doctrine in a particular category that sometimes we might miss yeah, some of the yeah. mystery, right? Like, well, that's what systematic theology tries to do. It tries to, right. tries to, to kind of give an answer or to wrap things neatly together. And there's tension in scripture. And so if, if we're not careful, systematic theology will, uh, can pull you away from that tension when maybe it shouldn't. Well, right. Well, yeah. Well, Paul Washer, one <laughs> a reformed guy, he, would agree with all of the doctrines that we're talking about right. here and everything that we'll have in upcoming episodes, etc. But he is very clear on not minimizing the power of the Holy Spirit mm. uh, w- within all, all of this and within Christian living and not throwing him in a box because we've seen abuses of the Spirit in right. other right. Christian camps and other Christian circles. Uh, we cannot limit... God, yeah, and specifically the work of the Spirit in yeah. our own heart and our lives and, and whatnot. Um, I think I would add to a, a limitation of systematic theology is that God just hasn't revealed yeah. everything. That's, I mean, I think that's kind of yeah. attached to what yeah. you were just talking about. What do you What do you have to say about that? Yeah, that, I mean, that's you're exactly right. Systematic theology does not answer every question. Um, we might have questions we bring to the text, and there might be tension even within our own theological system where we say um, this might be true Um, I'm not really sure how it coincides with this also true doctrine we know they're both biblically inspired and true we believe that we're interpreting them correctly but I can't quite understand how to reconcile them because of my limitations and there is that tension and because God has not revealed everything um, that we might want to know the answers to. So systematic theology yeah. is not, it's not comprehensive. It's not yeah. exhaustive. Um, yeah, Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine. the secret things of the Lord are the secret things of the Lord. Yeah, there are some things that he yeah. just hasn't revealed, but it, it's not like that handicaps us. That's right. That's because he's, a, we can't just punt. Yeah, the, yeah, absolutely. He, we, we can't use that as a crutch right. that he hasn't revealed everything, but on the flip side of that, Second Peter one, he has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. That's right. You know, so everything that you and I do need for this life and godly living, and you know, essentially right. systematic theology, he has set forth for us. Yeah, um, I, th- I think of the old. I think it was Calvin that said this, but oh, I this think is of the beautiful, old. Yeah, beautiful. The old Here question, he goes. Here he goes. What was God doing? A, a student asked Calvin, "What was God doing before He created the world?" And Calvin said He was creating hell for the curious. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't ask questions that the Bible doesn't answer. Gosh. And uh, and and there's That's some, so clutch. Yeah, there's there's some real truth to that. To say God has revealed what He's revealed, we are responsible for handling that revelation, but we are also not given the freedom to extend beyond that revelation. Right? right? Like there, yeah. we, He has set the limitations. He has set the boundaries. Um, the secret things do belong to God. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but the things that he has revealed, we are responsible to absolutely. deal with, answer, understand, that kind of thing. We are responsible. Right. Let, me, let me add one more real quick. Okay. Because I want to get your thoughts on this yes. one too. So a lim- another limitation to systematic theology, and I think this one needs to be addressed, is that we have to use human language. Ooh, that's, yeah. We have to use human language. That's really good. Um, and, and what I mean by that is we are using human terminology and we're even we're having to use the english language and mm-hmm. of course the scripture wasn't written even right. in english right that's right um 
so how would we express our limitations in regards to even even the words yeah uh, that we use right you, um, you speak on that yeah well the first thing that comes to my mind is is again calvin who who said that um, yeah, stop it stop it <laughs> calvin says that divine inspiration or, or the, the the words of scripture are almost like divine baby talk um, like, like the way that you and I are going to be baby talking talk. To, Let's you know, go. That, that's the way, the way you and I are going to talk to our newborns. Uh, we're not going to be using full complete, um, sentences with perfect syntax and grammar, right? Like we're going to be using very simple words, um, to communicate, even though, um, it's, it's like a self-imposed limitation on our language to try right. to communicate the basics. That's almost the way it is when God reveals to, he has chosen to spoke to us in human language, but we're dealing with things of of eternal and divine implication. So there is a limitation that comes from the expression um, of language itself. And and then, of course, you mentioned the translation factor. We're, we're dealing with some of these things that don't translate from uh, the Hebrew or the Greek or from different cultures. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's a good point. The systematic theology can't, it can't adequately answer all of those issues by itself. Uh, it doesn't make systematic theology useless. It just means we know that there are holes and limitations to it. Is that- and, and yeah, and that's okay. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's okay. We have to be comfortable right. with that. Uh, that. That is part of it. Right. Be, being comfortable in everything that you just explained. Um, so we've got a few minutes left here before okay. we wrap things up. Okay. Uh, We've got something here that we want to introduce called the Informants Initiative. Yeah, what is, what is that? What do you mean, the, the Informants Initiative? Well, I'm going to tell you. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. Yeah, so the Informants Initiative is basically our conclusion or our wrap-up to each episode. What we want to do is try and formulate quickly in, in the couple minutes that we have left. Each one of us give... Uh, some sort of takeaway or yeah. what's one yeah. thing that we can put in our back pocket that we can think about the rest of the evening that right. we can already implement into our day. Because this or, is theology for the church, right? Yeah. Like we're trying to make this uh, accessible and applicable and useful, not just an academic exercise. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you, well, you, you've got one minute here. Let's okay. go. What do you um, got first? The initiative that I would bring to the table today is that theology is worship. Um, to do theology is to do uh, worship and that I think of the of the great the great commandment right like love the Lord your God with all your heart soul mind and strength um, I think in especially 21st century American evangelicalism we have failed to engage our minds um, just in general uh, but really ju- I'm just dealing with the American South because the context where I find myself the mind is the least engaged uh, you, you show up at it's a almost t- strictly what it's, it's all feelings. Yes, you know? feeling, like you, emotion. Yeah, you show up on Sunday morning and you go to a worship service and you watch the way that the average uh, Southern Christian engages in worship. And when there's music, when there's a, a, an emotional feel, there will be an expressed response, hands raised, um, voices lifted, um, facial expressions that have engaged in worship. And then when the, the word is exposited and we are dealing with the mind blank stares not an engagement among the people and of course i'm speaking broadly right. i don't want to i don't want to um consider that there are no good churches out there where this is ha- i'm not saying that but i'm saying in general we have moved away from the mind and toward emotion and so i think we miss that to do theology is to worship because we picture 
worship as some kind of emotional movement when in reality uh, to study theology, that's to worship with our mind, that's to engage with our mind, and that is to be able to know and worship God more yeah. from our study of Him. To, to know God. To know God. That's there. There it is. What is theology? It's knowing God. <laughs> to know God. Yeah. What, what about you? What's, yeah. your, what's your takeaway? Yeah, my takeaway would be um, going back to J.I. Packer, quoting from him. I don't think this is from knowing God. I'm not exactly sure what resource yeah, it's we need from. To, we need to check our sources. On yeah, this. we're going to check our sources. But this is Packer basically saying that every single person is a theologian. Okay. Every, every person yeah. is a theologian. You're either a good one or a bad one. Right. And there are no awards for being a bad theologian. So you're saying you're saying theology is not optional. Uh, no, it's not it's, optional. It's, I, I I would argue well, why would you why would you want to settle for being a decent theologian? Yeah. yeah. I I mean you you don't want to be decent at projects you do around right. the house Just or a okay decent father okay, or right? a decent friend yeah. like so how much more mm. Should we move beyond that to being a, a theologian that's high in rank, right. not for right. pride purposes or chest bumping purposes, but we want to do that for the for the honor of God. Amen. Yeah. For, the, for the honor of God. Yeah. Um, last thing. Resources. Yeah. Last what you got? Thing. If, I, if I've got to give you some resources, you're just getting started. You're just thinking about systematic theology. Where would, where, would, where would I suggest? First, I would say there's a sweet new podcast called Reformed Informants. You should <laughs> dig into it. It's supposed to be pretty good. Yeah, uh, it, it's good. Yeah, that's, good. that's just that, that's the word. Good start. Um, if you're going to look for something in print, here's, here's where I would send you. Uh, first, I think the most basic but really helpful resource I think of is R.C. Sproul. He has a, a book called The Essential Truths of the Christian Faith. It's a very cursory, quick overview, uh, but really, really helpful, really good. Uh, you want to dig a little deeper, I would probably send you to uh, Wayne Grudem or Millard Erickson. Each of them have a systematic theology that are very accessible. Um, they deal with the breadth of Christian theology and systematic theology, but they do so in an adequate way. Uh, from a more historical uh, standpoint, I think uh, J.P. Boyce and uh, John Leadley Dagg both have, um, those are Southern Baptist uh, theologians of the Reformed uh, tradition who, who do a tremendous job, in my estimation, of dealing with questions of their day. Uh, my favorite systematic theology, Louis Burkhoff. And then if you really, really, really want to dig in, get bite you off some John Calvin Institutes of the Christian Religion. It's it's the most beneficial reading you can do if you really spend the time. Yeah, you probably that. have to carve in some rest time you, and some you brain. Will. You will, but it's but it's it's relaxing. The, it's the most it's the most engaged you can be in your worship, your time of worship if you're really dealing with with these. What, what, what yeah. about you? What, yeah, I, I know I, I gave you a long yeah, list you there. Ju- but he j- TJ just copied and pasted what I had put on that's, mine. That's the benefit of going first. You got to jump in. Yeah, so. these Google Docs are yeah, dangerous, that's right, man. That's right. Now I would just second uh, Grudem's Systematic Theology. That was really the first one that I was introduced to. Um, I don't remember who introduced it to me um, or, or why they did, but I, I remember buying it and, and reading it. And I, I just thought for someone that didn't know anything about mm-hmm. theology, I thought it was organized well, got straight to the point, and I just thought it was—I thought it was a really easy it read. Is. It's very accessible. Um, yeah. And then just to add one older one that's really helped me, that is more difficult to read, but I think uh, worth your time. And it's not a complete systematic, but it's pretty close. It's Thomas Watson's Body of Divinity. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's a few hundred pages. Um, it, it's just brilliant yeah. hearing him um, basically pick apart. 
uh, the deep truths of God, but he does it with language that is beyond. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> guys, some of these guys yeah, are just brilliant. Yeah. I mean, they, they're, they're brilliant. It's, it's, on, it's on another they're level. They're gifts to the church. So next show, episode two. Yeah. We're, we're going to dive into how to do theology. Yeah, that would be helpful. And, uh, I think we're going to look at... Uh, at Christology. Yeah. So we're going we're gonna to kind of pick apart how you would systematically understand looking Christ. So, yeah, we're looking forward to that awesome. next time. If you're not doing so already, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and our YouTube channel. Also, be sure to like us on Facebook at Reformed Informants and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at R underscore Informant. If you have any questions or suggestions for topics of discussion, feel free to email us at reformedinformants at gmail.com.